Well, good morning, friends. Thanks you so much for joining us today on our Sunday stream. We're so glad that you're here. My name is Marcus. I'm one of the pastors here at Evangel Church, and I just want to say welcome. If you're here with us online and you see that people are already posting in the comments, feel free to join them. We would love to have a little bit of a dialogue back and forth between people here that are on the stream uh, with our pastoral staff here as we kind of host you online. Our comment section really is our front lobby as we're online together. So we'd love for you to just say hi in the comments there. Before we jump into anything, I just have a couple announcements. The first one is that we have an in-person prayer gathering coming up on August 23rd. We're super excited to come together in person for a limited sized gathering. And so there are still spots available. If you want to join in with us, you're welcome to do so. If you go to myevangel.church forward slash relaunch and then scroll down a little bit, you'll see the date for August 23rd. If you click that, it'll send you to another website that just takes you through a couple of things for you to register. You do have to register to come, and so we would love to see you there, and so make sure that you do that uh, before the 23rd. Second is, if what we do here at Evangel adds value to your life, uh, would you consider giving? We need your uh, giving in order to continue the ministry that God has called us here to, and every uh, dollar amount counts. Doesn't matter how big or how small, every dollar counts. So there are a couple ways that you can do that. First of all, we're actually here at the church right now up until noon today. So if you wanna do what we call drive-through generosity, you're welcome to do that. So you can just pull up, come in, say hi to us, tithe, and then be on your way for the rest of the day. Or there are a couple ways to do this midweek as well. The first one is our offices are actually still open, normal hours, so from Monday to Thursday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And then if you really wanna be physical distance in your giving, you can go online and give as well. If you go to myevangel.church, on any of our website pages, you're able to find a small dot in the bottom right-hand corner of the page, and it says give on it. If you click that, it'll take you just through a couple of steps for you to be able to give online, but we really appreciate your obedience and your generosity in this season. We are so uh, continually excited and surprised by your faithfulness and your generosity, so thank you so much. Well, I think almost every kid, or at least I went through a phase when I was a kid, where you wanna become an astronaut. If that's you, if you're, if you're with me on that, or as a kid you wanted to be an astronaut, feel free to drop a comment and let us know so that we can celebrate like the wannabe astronauts together. But imagine the pioneering exploration of charting your course into unknown territory, of going to places and seeing things that only a handful of people in history have ever seen before. The life of an astronaut would be incredibly exciting, and although I wouldn't say I'm an expert at it this morning, it's also one that I know that's full of precise, intense, and really difficult situations. Really difficult calculations go into all the things that lead up to a launch. So I realized kind of in my life that I would not become an astronaut when I reached physics 11. When I jumped into that class, I felt like I had no idea what anything was in that class. I'm pretty sure I was passed in that class simply because my teacher uh, felt pitiful for me and so just passed me. But one of the things that we had to do in my physics class was calculate the trajectory of something going at a specific degree at this speed in this direction for this amount of time and figure out like where and how fast and 
all the things that I would try to explain, but like I said, didn't really understand and still don't understand to this day. But that kind of, those kind of calculations are just one of the, the small precise calculations that go into the planning of the trajectory of a spaceship. And when you think about one degree of error, it doesn't really seem like very much. If you're pointed one degree off in your set course, at first it really wouldn't matter much for the astronaut. You may not even notice it if you were the astronaut or the wannabe astronaut on that spaceship. But do you know how far off they would be if that small margin of one degree was there for their entire trip? If you have an idea or a guess of how far off somebody would land if they had just one degree off in their trajectory, post it in the comments. Let's do it in miles. How many miles do you think they would be off their course? I'll just give you a moment to post a quick guess in the comments right now. Well, wait no longer. I'm going to give you the answer. So if you were pointed one degree off in your trajectory from what was supposed to be, by the time that you reached or were supposed to reach the, the moon, you would actually be 4,169 miles off course. 4,000, over 4,000 miles off course just by one degree of error in your judgment. I, as I was Googling how big the Earth was, or how big the moon was, if you're traveling to the moon, 4,169 miles is actually almost double the circumference of the moon, just by one degree of error. Well, for an astronaut, trajectory really matters. We know that based on that exercise that we just did. But it doesn't just matter for astronauts. Trajectory actually also matters for people of faith as well. You'll hear this a lot from us. If you've been a part of Evangel for even just a short time, you could probably recite this back to us. But our vision statement here, or part of our vision statement, is to look more and more like Jesus each day. And what that sums up is the term sanctification. Sanctification is simply just looking more and more like Jesus each day. So as you hear me say that word sanctification, in this message, that's what you can kind of equate that to is looking more and more like Jesus each day, because that's part of what we're talking about today. But have you ever felt like sometimes life stalls out? Where you're on that trajectory, you're going somewhere, you're going places, and then all of a sudden kind of that direction peters out. Or else you find yourself ground to a total halt. Well, I know I felt that way often. That in my journey of faith, there have been moments where I feel like I'm starting to peter out or where something in my life happens and it halts the trajectory that I was on. But I'm thankful that our journey of looking more and more like Jesus each day is always one of trajectory. It's always one of direction. It may sometimes take a bit of a pause or a bit of a breather, but it is one that is always dynamic and fulfilling. If you're taking notes with us, I want to say right on, good job. Uh, I still think it's important to take notes, even if we're online. So if you are taking notes, write this down. The journey of sanctification is one of trajectory. The journey of sanctification is one of trajectory. So scripture we're about to read today as we continue our series in Hebrews, tells us a lot about how 
to speak both truth and grace when it comes to ours and others' process and journey of sanctification, of looking more and more like Jesus. So let's read that passage together. It's found in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 to 31. If you don't have a Bible this morning, we would love to put one in your hands. So if you go to myevangel.church forward slash Bible, there's a couple resources that we have there. One is a link to an online Bible that you can download on the App Store. The other one is a short request form so that if you live in Powell River, we would love to deliver you like by hand a Bible um, to your home or to pick up here at the church so that you can have a true physical Bible. I am somebody who likes the true physical ones. I'm not like an audiobook guy. And so for those of you who are like me, you can request a physical Bible as well. But let's reach Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 to 31. It says, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without, dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you have a pathway and a trajectory for us. God, that you have given us uh, yourself to be able to guide us. And so God, I pray in the moments where we sometimes feel the pinch, when we sometimes feel challenged, uh, that your word today would be the thing that challenges us, that my voice would grow so quiet and fall away from our ears and that as we read your scripture, it would continue to propel us forward on the pathway that you have for our lives. God, we love you. We thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, Pastor Lisa last week had a great message about holding on to hope in challenging seasons. If you joined us on Sunday morning in person and maybe missed it, or if you just didn't get a chance to see it, I'd really encourage you to watch it. It's here on YouTube, it's here on Facebook, it's on our website. You're able to listen to those messages. It was a great message. It was such a hope-filled, timely message for this season. In her message, she talks a little bit about how we must spur one another on to love and good works. But how the word spur has maybe a little bit of a more forceful meaning than we would kind of read into it as. She said that the word meant more to jab somebody or to cut them, to provoke them to action. It means being committed to somebody so much that you are willing to cause temporary pain in order to, continue, to spur them on to continue their journey of faith in Jesus. And as I was studying this passage, I have to say that we see this commitment of the author to spur one another on to love and good works in the next part of the message, of next, the next part of the passage, where the writer, the writer of Hebrews says some pretty strong words, risking temporary pain of his audience so that they press onward in their faith. So as I was reading this, as I was in study this week, I have to say that as I was reading this, I found myself incredibly um, surprised at the author's boldness. But I was also surprised at what the passage of scripture was saying. 
Because if you were to read this passage and just take it at face value, it could easily cause a crisis in your understanding of salvation and of faith. And to be honest, I wrestled with this passage a lot as I was studying. I haven't felt as nervous as I do this morning to give this word because it's such a important and yet also challenging word, but we must remain faithful to communicating God's word. And so when I read this, admittedly, I kind of threw my hands up in defense, like pulled back, hands up, like, whoa. I, I, I said, there's no way that this means what I think it means. There's no way that they can be serious about what's being said here. Like, no way. Like, my hands were up. Often when somebody lovingly jabs us, spurs us on uh, to continued faith, it can be easy to kind of automatically throw up our hands, where we, we take the defense and we kind of leave it at that, where that hand, those hands up creates a barrier from us hearing the truth. But I want to encourage all of us this morning to take a deep breath, to pause, and to allow God's truth to speak to us today, even if it's a hard word. Because in the journey of sanctification is one of trajectory, then it seems that according to this passage, that if we mess up, if we sin, that our trajectory has really no other option than to plummet, never being able to be restored back to right standing with God. But this is not the case, friends. And so we need to unpack this passage and its under and understanding of its context, of its audience, so we can understand the truth that God is trying to say and communicate through the author of Hebrews. Just as a bit of an aside, but I think it's an important aside. It can be really easy to only read parts of scripture in like snapshots and not really take into account other pieces of scripture outside of the passage or even to just ignore the greater narrative of the Bible. And this is why hermeneutics or the science of the study of scripture is actually so important and something that we all must do. That hermeneutics, that the scientific study of scripture is not just kept for our pastors or for those who lead us in faith, but is something that we all must do together. Because if we don't do this properly, it means that our trajectory can begin to shift a little bit and we can end up at conclusions that isn't actually the truth of scripture. And the author of Hebrews says in verse 26 to 27, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. So the author is making the point here that if someone goes on sinning deliberately after understanding, being transformed by, and living in the knowledge and revelation of Jesus, then they have rejected the only solution to the problem of sin in our lives. It means that Jesus' sacrifice no longer attains its significance and value in our own life because they threw away the gift of his sacrifice for us. But the reality is there is no other option for our salvation. And so by sinning deliberately, like he's saying, then we've exhausted that option. And so at first, it seems like our salvation actually isn't secure. That if we sin, that's it. Like if we sin, we're done. The author of Hebrews says that by sinning deliberately, we don't actually even just ignore Jesus, but we actually deliberately trample underfoot God's son. We spit in the face of Jesus's death and sacrifice for us. And we offend the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. This is an incredibly strong and almost like horrifying description 
There are descriptors that I never want to be said about my life and my faith. But stay with me. Don't throw your hands up just yet. There is more to this passage of scripture, and I really do believe that there's life that comes as a result of it. Because as we look beyond this one passage, this one snapshot, I want to read from 1 Peter 3, which says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to all living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen to this. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Though you do not see him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This passage in 1 Peter speaks about the security of our salvation. It says that it is not something that is insecure. And even in the previous part of Hebrews 10, the author talks about the assurance of our faith. So if this is the case, then this passage of Hebrews must have a little bit of a different nuance than just if you sin, you're out. And I think that as we understand this nuance, it'll help us kind of stay on the right trajectory. Matthew Henry, a commentator and somebody far more intelligent than me, speaks to this nuance when he says this. This text in Hebrews has been the occasion of great distress for some great gracious souls. They have been ready to conclude that every willful sin after conviction and against knowledge is the unpardonable sin. But this has been their infirmity and error. The sin here mentioned is a total and final apostasy. What apostasy means is the total rejection of a religion that you were a part of. So the sin here mentioned is a total and final apostasy. When men with a full and fixed will and resolution despise and reject Christ, the only Savior, and despise and resist the Spirit, the only Sanctifier, and despise and renounce the gospel, the only way of salvation, and the words of eternal life. And all this after they have known, owned, and professed the Christian religion, and continue to do so uncompromisingly and maliciously. This is a great transgression. As we understand this, or as we continue to understand what this passage means, I want you to imagine that you're, again, the pilot of the spaceship that I talked about earlier this morning. So as you set your course, sometimes you can veer off course a little bit. You can kind of drift a little bit. Or as you're journeying through space, you can see some things around you that are incredibly cool that you kind of want to, like, that distract you. You kind of want to veer your course off to, like, look at for a little while. And then you begin to change course that way. But then you remember something. You remember that you have a destination in mind that is better than all the distractions you could find. And so instead of continuing on that path, you correct course back to your destination. In our journey of sanctification, sometimes our trajectory can tilt off course just a little bit. Whether that's by allowing ourselves and our faith to drift, or thinking that we're reaching the mark but not quite getting there, or even that in our weakness to resist sin, we we move towards it. This is called sin. That's what missing the mark is. 
And once the Holy Spirit convicts us of this sin, we are able to correct course. No matter how much of a sharp turn it may take, and God, by his grace and his mercy, forgives us. And he welcomes us back onto the trajectory of looking more and more like him as he gives us the strength and the grace to course correct. But what the writer of Hebrews is talking about in this passage are the people who don't find themselves just drifting a bit off course, but who intentionally choose to turn the ship fully around, who willingly go in the opposite direction with no desire to correct course or to turn around and they choose to never return to the trajectory that was set. William Jones, another author, says it this way. It's not a case of ordinary religious backsliding or declension. Declension is just a condition of decline or moral deterioration. So it's not a case of ordinary religious backsliding or declension from Christ. It is a continuous condition of sin. If you are hearing this message this morning and maybe building in fear, building in anxiety where this trepidation is beginning to kind of settle in your mind, where you're thinking, has this sin of fill in the blank rejected Jesus to the point that I've lost my way so that I can never return? Was that thing that I did that one time, did that completely cause me to choose to turn off course and never return? Can I just encourage you and maybe quiet those fears for a moment? If you're even having those thoughts, this morning. You haven't turned the ship around never to return. This means your conscience is still soft. It's still open to be able to hear God's spirit calling you back to him. That is aware of the rejection that sometimes we show Jesus, but it's not so seared in our conscience that we don't even give it a thought. And so I want to just quiet that fear if you're thinking that this morning. But does that mean that if someone, after receiving salvation and having a genuine experience with Jesus and then later deliberately rejecting him, mean that there's no hope of forgiveness for them? Of course not. Of course not. God is always calling us back to him, and no one is too far away from his grace and his mercy by their repentance. But God also, in his love, gives us a free choice to accept him or reject him. That yes, we can accept his salvation, but he still gives us a free will to reject him, to turn around and never return. And so if you maybe are sitting here, you might be thinking of a family member, of a friend, of maybe even yourself, where you're like, wow, I've been so far in the opposite direction for so long. Is there even a hope of me getting back? I've been gone for so long. They've been far from Jesus or rejected him for so long. Like, is it is so far too far? But can I remind you that God's timing is not the same as ours. God's understanding of time is not the same as ours. Second Peter verse three to nine says, the Lord is, is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you and that person that you're thinking of. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So the writer of Hebrews is offering a sharp warning to his hearers that every drift we have, every sin that we commit that is not repented of doesn't mean that you're beyond forgiveness, but it does mean that the accumulation of this makes it easier to turn the whole ship around 
and go the opposite direction, never to turn back. Well, if we were to just leave it here, if this was the end of our stream, we would maybe have arrived at truth, but it would be a pretty bleak picture of it. But luckily, the writer of Hebrews continues, and so will we this morning. So let's reach Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 to 39. It says, But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. The author of Hebrews was just warning their hearers to continue on in their journey of sanctification, but then their tone shifts. It moves from this challenging, almost like visceral warning to one of hope and to one of encouragement. Here she says to their audience, our deliberate sinning and rejection of Christ can lead us away from him, but this is not who you are, and this is not where you need to be headed. This is not who you are, and this is not where you need to be headed. Instead of leaving them in this challenging world kind of word, kind of parachuting in, saying this really challenging visceral word, and then parachuting back out again, the author of Hebrews has something incredibly powerful. He or she reminds their audience of what they've been brought through already by God's grace and the character that they've shown in the past. The author of Hebrews says to them, remember when? Remember when you first came to faith and endured hardship as a result, but you didn't give up? Don't give up again. For his audience, this would have been a powerful reminder. If they decided to follow Jesus in their time, it likely would have been at the cost of the acceptance of their family, where they would be rejected. Or it was at the cost of persecution that was shown by Rome where Christians would often be put in gladiator rings where they would have to either fight each other to the death or fight like a bear or a lion to, or at the expense of their life and at the entertainment of the people watching. And so this would have been such a profound encouragement for them where he said, remember, where they said, remember when you first came to faith and endured, endured hardship, but you didn't give up? Then they remind them, remember when? You allowed people to take your property. It's because you know that you have a better possession and an abiding one. What they mean by this is that your treasure is not in this world, but is the reward that we will receive when we meet Jesus in eternity. And not just the gift of eternity with Jesus, but the gift that he gives when we reach eternity. This treasure, like, like the passage in Peter said earlier, is imperishable. It cannot be taken away and is more exciting and fulfilling than you could ever have in this world. Remember when. It may feel that even though the journey of sanctification is one of trajectory, 
that you may have felt like you've gone one step forward and then two steps back. But like the writer of Hebrews, can I remind you of something? It is incredibly easy to see the steps back or the hardship before you. But can I encourage you to look back, not at the two steps back, but all at all that God has brought you through in the course of your life. Because if he has brought you through all of these things in your life before, I want to remind you, friends, he can do it again. He can do it again. For many of us, this season has proved to be incredibly challenging. Whether that be on your mental health, whether that be uh, us wading through the pandemic, maybe we've lost a loved one or we've experienced relational or financial strain. I want to encourage you today, don't turn the ship around. God hasn't left you. That destination of our trajectory is still found. God hasn't left you. He will continue to prove himself faithful to you. He will continue to be the one who strengthens you on your journey of sanctification. And that it can sometimes feel incredibly painful, but the reward is coming. The reward is coming. It may feel like the world is a bit more dull lately, but we have a better possession and an abiding one with Christ that cannot be dulled, that the gift that we experience in eternity can never be dulled by this world. Do not throw your, away your confidence, for it has great reward. The author of Hebrews finishes this chapter by saying, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. It may feel like this season has caused you to shrink back and feel like some of the things you held dear are crumbling around you, but hold on to hope. Don't give up. This isn't the end of your story. Don't give up. Don't turn that ship around, but know that there are people here who care about you, who want to continue, who want you to continue on the path set before you we are here, we are willing to lift you up, to encourage you, to push you when needed, and to champion you when you are feeling low. This is why we need each other. Jesus hasn't left you in this season. He hasn't left you in this season. His strength will continue to carry you through this. Keep faith. As much as this is maybe a conclusion to the chapter of Hebrews, it is also a transition into what the next chapters will talk about in Hebrews. Because I think this passage really begs a question for us. Well, okay, you say to keep faith, but how do we have faith in challenging circumstances? How do we continue that journey of sanctification with the trajectory set on Jesus when things around us are really hard? Where I'm being asked to do things that seem painful and like I'm giving everything up. How do we do that? Well, unfortunately, I can't answer that today, but I want to invite you next week to join our stream here on Sunday morning, because the author of Hebrews brings some answers to these questions. He gives us some great examples of heroes in scripture who did just that. And so if you're feeling at the end of your rope today, or like maybe you veered off the trajectory a bit, we wanna walk with you and pray with you. We don't wanna condemn you, we're not here to judge you, but we're here to walk with you in that journey to maybe help you correct course. And so if you phone us here at the church at the end of our stream today, we'd be happy to pray with you up until noon. Phone us at 604-483-4283, 
or you can text us at 604-210-8535. Or you can submit a prayer request online by going to myevangel.church forward slash prayer. And you can submit a short form that will give your request just to our pastoral team to be able to pray for you and with you. But we want to walk with you as we spur one another on to love and good works. So as I, can, as I considered this kind of whole passage and looked at it, I realized that there's really a clear application for us today. Just one. The author of Hebrews just gave us an incredible example of actually what it means to spur one another on to love and good works. Because a journey of sanctification is one of trajectory. And the writer of Hebrews wanted to encourage his listeners to continue forward in their journey of faith. And as we spur one another on to love and good works, can we remember the example that the author of Hebrews sets in this passage, where they give us some great tools to put in our tool belt? The first is they don't shy away from the truth. They don't water it down so that it becomes more palatable. They don't soften it in such a way that it kind of begins to, the truth begins to lose its meaning. They actually speak it very clearly and in a challenging way, but neither do they leave their audience high and dry by only communicating that truth. They also make sure they pair their truth with love and also a commitment to their listeners. I don't know if you caught it as we were reading the passage, but the writer of Hebrews uses we and our as a pronoun in this passage when communicating the hard truth. In the first part that we read, they use we and our. And so in doing so, they don't just point the finger at you saying you did this and this will be your um, outcome if you do this and this is your problem and this is what you're doing. But instead, they show a commitment and responsibility to the person they're spurring on by saying, hey, that truth that I'm communicating to you is also a truth for me. Just as I'm saying it to you, it's also something for me. We're all at risk of this. We're all in this together. And then when they transition to pairing the hard truth with love, they move to speaking personally to the person where they say, hey, you are strong. You have endured all of these things, but persevered. Where they say, you can do it again. You can do it again. What a profound example of how we communicate truth and love together. Where the individual is responsible for themselves, but that in community we're also responsible to each other. So let's be people who communicate truth and love by showing that we're responsible for ourselves, but that we're also responsible to those we are in community with. Where like the writer of Hebrews does, we communicate the person's value, where we communicate their dignity, where we communicate their character, because when we're in the thick of it, sometimes we can't see these things. When we're spurring them on, when we're cutting them to a forward action, that we need to remind them of who they are in Christ. Because sometimes it can be hard for us to see it ourselves, but in community, others can remind us of that. And so I think that in doing so, in endeavoring to spur one another in this way, that it would show a beautiful picture of how people of faith walk in unity together as we all journey in looking more and more like Jesus each day. If you're new with us, or if you're exploring faith in Jesus right now, and you're hearing this message, I want you to know that 
that turning the, the ship fully around and the responsibility and, and judgment that comes as a result of that is for those who already knew Jesus. But if you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, but you still want your trajectory in life to be set on him, where you can receive that reward of eternity beyond this life, can I say that Jesus' gift of salvation is a free gift for you today? That there's no pretense to it, there's no qualifications for it, that there's no things that you must do in order to gain it, but that he has already paid that price for you. And that we, in meeting him today, that if you're exploring faith, you, all you need to do is invite him into your life by acknowledging the sin that you have, by asking for forgiveness and submitting your life to him. And in doing so, you'll be set on a trajectory that is the most fulfilling trajectory you could ever have for your life. And so if you want to make that decision today, wherever you are in your house right now, whether you're in your kitchen, in your living room, whether you're at a friend's house, can you pray this prayer with me? I'll say it and then I want you to pray it yourself if you want to accept Jesus today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your love. God, I receive your gift of salvation today. I acknowledge that I have sinned, but I ask for your forgiveness. God, I pray that you would walk with me in my journey of faith. Thank you for your forgiveness and your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm so glad that you've made that decision today, if you did, because it's one that is going to be the most fulfilling decision that you could ever experience. If you're brave uh, and you want to step out already, would you just let us know that you made that decision for the first time to follow Jesus by commenting in our comment section? We don't do that so we can like point you out in some like weird, freaky way, but we just want to make sure that you know that there are people that want to walk with you in this journey that we want to celebrate this decision with you, that we want to equip you with some tools to be able to walk in that journey of faith. If you want to have a little bit of a different route in letting us know that you made that decision, can you, you can also text us here at one of our church's numbers at 604-210-8535. We'd be happy to talk with you there too and just journey in faith with you and, and show that you have people around you that are rooting for you and cheering you on. Well, we're going to end today's stream, and so I'm going to pray with all of us as we close. God, thank you so much for the trajectory that you have each one of us on. God, I pray that there, if there are people here who need to get back on and course correct, God, that you would allow them and help them to do that by your grace and your mercy. God, if there are people in our lives who have maybe chosen deliberately to turn that ship around and who don't look like they're going to return, God, I pray that you would... Um, speak to their hearts in such a clear way, that they would hear your voice and know your love in a profound way, that they would make that hard decision to wrench themselves back to you, and that you would, like you always do, meet them with mercy and grace and forgiveness today. God, would you equip us to be people who speak both truth and love? We thank you that you do that for us. So God, I pray that you would continue to speak to us we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We're so glad that you were able to jump on our live stream. Uh, we will see you hopefully next week. And if not, have a great rest of your Sunday today. See you later, friends.